Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Erica Madrian from Ultimate. <laughs> Erica, it's really nice to have you on. Yeah. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So tell me a bit about yourself, about your company, what you're up to, what you're doing. Yeah, I'm Erica. Thanks for having me. I'm the partner marketing manager here at Ultimates. We are a customer service automation platform. So basically, we help brands like Zalando, Gorillas, Finair, Gimondo, Theory to provide amazing customer experiences through automation and to kind of remove all of the marketing jargon in there. Basically, we are chatbot on steroids and the steroids part of it is the AI technology that we actually create in-house. So our product actually sits as a virtual agent in CRM platforms like Zendesk, Salesforce or Freshworks. That's a company. And what I do pretty standard basically is that basically in two parts. I first go to our partners and work with them. So we have two kinds of partners. First is the CRM partners or the tech partners, we call them. These are the Zendesks, the Salesforce, and the Freshworks. And we work with them to enable them about our product. So it will be easy for them to refer our brands, but also to create co-marketing activities with them. Because at the end of the day, we need those leads to create demand gen activities. And second is working with our existing customers. So we all know that having our customers as our marketing channel or as a marketing channel is very important. So I actually do a lot of engagement activities with our customers, maybe case studies, invite them in events, invite them in blog content and just push that. So that is mainly my responsibility. So I am mainly in the commercial marketing side of things with more expertise or stronger expertise in B2B marketing. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> so what are you doing when it comes to reaching your target customers? Is there any particular type of content that's really helpful to you guys and connecting with customers and all that? Yeah, I would love to answer that in a very, very, very long way because I think it's very interesting how we do it here at Ultimate. Typically... In standard companies, partnerships team is actually its own department. But how we do it at Ultimate is basically we're now five people and the partnerships team. And two of those are partnership managers. They actually sit under the sales team. We have hmm. two partner marketing people. That's me and my junior partner marketer. We sit under marketing. And then we have a partner success manager who sits under customer success. So basically, we're a department that sits everywhere. And then to drill down on the marketing side of things, I basically report to my CMO. And under my CMO is me, our head of brand and head of demand gen. So basically the three of us, me, my demand gen person and the head of brand, we all work together to create all of these activities, which means that our core expertise is really on content and educating our customers so that we can distribute that in multiple ways, maybe on paids, on social, with partners, etc. So the way we reach our customers, our prospects right now, the ones that work the best is mainly events. Mm. Online events, we create content that works very well for our customers and then we convert that to events so that we basically know that, oh, okay, this is exactly what they want. And mm. then now in-person events is also coming back. That's super great. We now go to Berlin events, to London, to New York. So it's really pretty fascinating. And then lastly is video content. I know it's been there for a while, but now what we're doing is to really just 
push video content, push it on YouTube, push it to our customers, push it to our partners as well. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, content is king, still is. <laughs> I love that. So where does content fit in when it comes to events? Is the content mainly promoting the events ahead of time? Or do you capture a lot of content at those events to promote the brand and the company kind of afterwards and online and in digital? Yeah, when it comes to the events, it's mainly, we do two types of events where content plays a really key part. First of all, is the product launch. First and foremost, we're a product first company. So mm. all of the product features or new products that our product team develops, we push that to the market. So this is very hardcore selling as well. Like, hey, we now have a multilingual agent that speaks 109 languages. Sounds sexy. We're going to sell the out of that. Yeah. But then you just have normal educational events because we know the market is really searching for educational content. On a survey, for instance, we found out that 75% of all our prospects are doing automation for the first time. Wow. So they basically have no idea how to start. So that's why we really started in the beginning. Like, okay, you don't know how to go through it. We will help you. This is step one, step two, step three. So we yeah. kind of understand the market, then push it as an educational event one or the product launch, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So what is what is the content production process look like for producing a lot of this content? You, It sounds like you have written content, video content. Are you talking to partners and brainstorming content ideas? Are you researching, hey, what are the pain points of our customers? What, what does that process look like? And how do you find ideas and stuff to create content about? Yeah, so in terms of content creation, it's really, I think it's very complicated when you think about it in a sense that, okay, we know what the market once because we see what they click, we see what they view, you know, typical yeah. metrics, you see that. But then you also go to the sales team and they're like, we don't need that. This mm. is what we need. We need use cases. We need business value. We need blah, 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 blah. So we do a lot of internal interviews actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we go to our sales team and say, we're creating content. Give me the five things that's important to you. Yeah. And then we create content around that. But also we interview our customers a lot. That's mm, pretty obvious. I like that. We interview our customers and that's also part of my responsibility and say like, first of all, where do you find us? What podcasts do you listen? What LinkedIn groups are you part of? Yep. Do you even read newsletters? All of those things. And then, yeah, we create content around that. In terms of content generation, I think also Ultimate is in a very lucky spot because we have our own agency internally so we have a lot of writers and designers in-house versus i don't know i've worked in companies before where i have one designer and writer for like 20 pieces of content every week i think it's like impossible tasks to do. exactly yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they burned out they produce content etc but we are very lucky that we have a studio team. We call them the ultimate studio. We have writers, designers, video editors, animators, web designers, etc. So it's a very streamlined process through Asana. So we just request, they create the content, give their feedback, etc. Very cool. Um, yeah. So you have these customers that you interview and that's how you source a lot of the ideas. How do you actually get customers that are willing to chat and talk about the things they listen to and the places they spend time. 
You, do you send an email to everybody every couple of months or how, <laughs> what does that look like? So in Ultimate, we actually don't have a lot of customers. If you compare it to MailChimp or HubSpot, we have around 100, 150 customers with really high customer life value. So it means that they're generally happy, I hope. Um, So what I do is I reach out to the CSMs, to the customer success managers and the account executives and say like, hey, Foot Locker, Zalando seems like a very good brand and we need them in our website to kind of promote our customers. Do you think they would be open to do an interview? And usually they will say, yeah, they're super happy. Do it. Send them an email, copy us, all good. Or they say, "Eh, they're not very happy right now. Try again in a month. So it's really just that. And then I reach out to them. I just say like, hey, we want to inspire other CX leaders like yourself to really go into automation. Because to be honest, automation is not a common thing in the industry. It's always Mm. because the misconception is that, oh, you're replacing a robot with humans. It's really not that. So there's a lot of a lot of courage for CX leaders to really fight for it. So what we do is like, hey, you fought for it. Let's announce it to the world. So we do the interviews and then it goes from there. I involve my writer so that we can have the nice data and all of those things. We create the story, we market it in all channels and we get leads from it, basically. That's amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) How do you select which companies to, to partner with? What are some of the criteria and things that you're thinking about when you're looking for a partner to maybe co-market with, do some of that? How does that selection process go about? Yeah, in the beginning, I mentioned that we have two types of partners. We have the tech partners or the CRM partners. We integrate our products into their platform. And Mm. we chose those partners because they have the biggest market share, basically. That's an easy one. But the harder one is the service partners. So the service partners are basically... Think about consulting agencies of around 20 to 50 people where they help big brands implement their CRM platforms for the first time. Hmm. So that's what they do. And eventually they will need an automation partner. This is the hard part because they are scattered all over the world. And the way we select them is really more on what is their potential growth? Which geo are they located in? Do they even have a marketing person or are they just focused on sales because it's a small company so those are some of the criteria and then we say okay we approach it in two ways we think about okay we have strong german customers already who are happy so germany-based partners can actually use those customer stories to get more customers or it's the other side of the story where we have Czech partners or Turkish partners, countries where there's big potential, but we would probably never hire a a human or salespeople in there. So that's where we get the partners as well. And then that's where we also strategically focus our co-marketing. Like, okay, hey, Turkish partner, you have 20 prospects who are interested in automation, why don't we create a webinar around that? We don't care if it's 20 people, if they're qualified, right? So it's more account-based kind of marketing, or we do specific content and say, hey, here's how to get started with automation, localize it in Turkish, done. The half of the job is done, they distribute it, they get the leads, they get their commission, all good. So yeah, basically that's how it works. Absolutely, that's awesome. 
And then let's talk about that co-promotion piece of it. So you've created this content with a partner. What does that promotion aspect of it look like? Yeah. So in building the partner marketing strategy, I really focused on two important goals. I want to create activities that will generate pipeline, lead gen, and increase our brand awareness. So with that kind of mindset, I created kind of a journey for our partners to go through the moment they sign a partnership contract, right? They sign the contract. My partnerships manager will be like, Erica, they sign a contract. I'm going to introduce you your job now to take over. And the way I started is like, hey, let's announce our partnership, right? Let's yeah. tell the world, let's tell your market. We'll tell our market that we're partners now. Immediate blog article, immediate backlink. We all need that backlink. So that's good. That's a win. Then the second step is like, okay, we've announced it to the world. Now let's increase our brand awareness. Let's create co-written blog, right? So let's say we write a blog, you publish in their blog, and they create an article published in our blog. Again, another backlink, another win. And then we say, oh, traffic went well. That's great. Why don't we now generate actual leads, right? So now we create either an ebook or an event where we just target their market and we help them promote it. And usually it's more of, there is no really formula on who does what because it really depends on the resource. As I mentioned, we have a studio team in-house, so we usually have the leverage and we support them. And honestly, I'm happy to do it. If they bring in 20, 10 qualified customers, prospects, who they have been nurturing for a while and we will talk to, happy to do everything from scratch because I know it's qualified. But, Absolutely. But if it's not, then we do 50-50, happy to do it. Really a matter of having the conversation with them. Yeah. yeah. And do you do all the content production yourself or do you leverage, it sounds like you leverage them a little bit, 50-50 sometimes. Is there ever a case where you have like an agency do it externally or it's either you all the time, them half the time, you half the time to thing? <laughs> It definitely depends. I think it de depends on, hey, do I have enough resources in-house? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I have writers in-house. They all can write in English. We have others who can write in German. So that's always great. So I have their support because it's always going to be demand gen, right? So yeah. if I come to them and say, hey, I have an event, I'm going to generate X amount of pipeline. They're like, yay, okay, let's do it. So once I get their buy-in, then it's all good. And of course, it's all about planning, right? Because I need to align to our existing marketing activities, make sure it's not competing with mine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you kind of case by case, figure out what the partner, who do we have, who do you have, yeah. how much of who's doing what and all Exactly. That Most especially if it's in French or German, right? Absolutely. Then we'll write it in English, then please translate it in French or German, then we'll just help you promote it, whatever. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And what makes this model successful? Is it then you're expanding out your network, you're helping, like what's in it for the partner or what's in it for you and why does this model work? Yeah, I 100% believe in partnerships. I think I've been doing partnerships for quite a while now. And I think the reason why it works, because you basically have an extension of your sales and marketing, right? You have a sales, you have a new sales and marketing arm that will help you achieve your goals. And I think what we always forget is that it doesn't really cost much because they have their own budget, right? Yeah. And we are already producing content in-house 
all you have to do is repurpose that so they can use it. Rephrase it a bit. They can yeah. use that as content, brand it as ultimate, then it's great. And I think the reason why it's been working so far, and I just actually checked it before our recording, is that since I joined last year, I now have a 67% increase on average month on month of opportunities or pipeline generated from partner marketing. Wow. And Could you say that again? What percentage? 67. 67%. Since I started. Amazing. And it came from zero. Wow. From yeah. zero to 67%. Yeah, exactly. And now our COO just told us yesterday that partnerships, the entire partnerships department cover 15% of the company's pipeline. Wow. So it's really getting there. And if you think about it, HubSpot was, I think their agency partners cover 40% of their revenue. Revenue, not even pipeline. Revenue. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Most especially if you're a B2B kind of SaaS company, there's a huge potential. And that's why Zendesk and Salesforce are super big companies. It's because of partners like us. So I think there's huge potential. And I think... With partnerships, it's really important. And I know in every relationship, this is important, but communication is really key because you then identify where they're weak at and where they're strong at so that we can close the gap. So for instance, okay, they're not great in creating visuals or design. We will take care of it and you can distribute it to all your customers. And then I think one thing that's very important that me and my partnerships lead also talk about is that metrics, right? The beginning of the partnership, let's discuss, is it a marketing partnership? Fine. Let's just create content, brand awareness, et cetera. Or is it really creating pipeline, right? And say, and then in this quarter, we will generate X pipeline and we will close this and we will create stories around this win. So I think we've really done a great job in being transparent with our partners and saying like, Hey, we want to grow. We want you, let's do it. And we also don't do quantity of partners we have very limited partners because we really select it per geo as i mentioned very very quality focused not quantity focused. exactly so i mean in emea you can count it just with your fingers basically with your hands and it's really not a lot but we're growing and i think the next step is obviously acquiring more partners but still quality partners who can help us grow as a company. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Erica, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom, insights, advice, and, and really giving perspective to other marketers out there that are thinking about or doing this. So really appreciate it. Nice. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.